0: Of heights, to the depths of the
1: sea. And so let's look at verse 1 there. Notice it says, But Solomon took 13 years to build his own house, and so he finished his house. And so between verse 1 and verse 14, we're going to see the other buildings that Solomon built. And we see here that he, he built his own royal palace. Every
0: creature is unique in the sun. you place the stars in the sky and you name you are amazing welcome everyone you're listening to truth in Christ radio a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg Our scripture today says, But Solomon took 13 years to build his own house. 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 38 tells us that Solomon spent seven years building the temple, but here we learn that he spent 13 years building his own house. The temple was glorious, but it seems that Solomon wanted the house that was more glorious than the temple. It does show the place which his own personal comfort and luxurious tastes had come to the surface in Solomon's life. It is often by such simple and unexpected tests that the deepest facts of a human life are revealed. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins chapter 7 in 1 Kings.
1: You know, as we're going through and and looking at the uh, Solomon's temple You know, sometimes talking about something is fine and good, but sometimes it's nice just to see something. (laughs) Um, Because there's a lot of technical details there, and just to kind of get it in your mind's eye as you read, it's sometimes helpful to do that. So we'll be doing that uh, tonight. And so we're going to look at uh, Solomon's temple, and specifically looking at uh, 1 Kings chapter 7. Last week we looked at 1 Kings chapter 6, and we kind of, uh, Solomon just began to build the temple, and notice what it says there, and again, if you haven't uh, starred this verse or, or looked at it, uh, underline it, circle it, do whatever you've got to do, because this is one of those verses that helps you um, put the Bible into its jigsaw puzzle as far as time is concerned. This is one of those special moments in the Bible that uh, that when we look at everything uh, around these events, we can put them into places and then we can find out whether something happened in a certain amount of time and what time it did happen because we know, well let's just look at it. It says, it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt, notice, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign, we know that Solomon uh, uh, came into his uh, his kingdom in 971 BC. He was born in 1000 BC, so he's about 29 years old, we believe, when he became king. And uh, so, if we look at the fourth year of his uh, reign, in 971 minus four, we get to 967. And so, we back up 480 years before that, and we come to 445. Is that right? I think so. Uh, 446, 447, somewhere in that area, um, you come up to that 480 years earlier, and, and you come to the very time that the Israelites left Egypt and began their journey into the promised land. And so from that point up until now, it's been 480 years, uh, this fourth year of his reign, 480 years. And so, that again, one of those really great moments in the Bible because other history, secular history, you know They know when certain things happen, and, and, and we know when this happened, and it's easy to ascribe dates and then build the timeline from there. So anyway, we looked at that chapter, and Solomon, again, had been given the blueprint, if you will, from his father David. Remember, God had um, put upon David's heart, or David had it in his heart, to build God a temple. A permanent structure, now that the children of Israel had finally come into the land, David had taken over Jerusalem, now they were going to have a permanent structure instead of a a tabernacle that was temporary, able to be picked up and moved. That was all fine and good in their 40 years of wandering in the desert, but now they are well established in the land. And so a permanent structure wanted to be built, or David wanted to build it. But remember, God said to David, David, you can't build me a house. You can't build me a house because you're a a warrior and you've got blood all over your hands. But your son, he's going to build me a temple. One who's going to yet be born of you, he will be the one who will build me the temple. And God was going to, again, uh, give to David wonderful, precious promises about his lineage going all the way to the time of Christ. Because Christ is from the line of Judah. And remember, we looked at the promise, the Davidic covenant that God had made with David back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, I believe it's in verses 10 through 15 specifically. And God basically said, your son is going to build me a temple. And by the way, there will not fail a man to sit on the throne of Judah as long as you obey me. Now there is the conditional promise. If your son and your son's sons and the, line, the kings of Judah, if they continue to obey me and to walk in my statutes and my commandments, then they will continue to be on the throne. But when they start to stray, then there's going to be trouble. And we know through history there was trouble. Trouble. And ultimately, the northern ten tribes were carried away captive in 722 BC by the Assyrians. And then it wasn't long after that, just 100 and some 150, 80 years later, uh, the southern two tribes get taken into captivity uh, in Babylon. And beginning in 606 BC, and finally, 20 years later, the temple um, was destroyed. Solomon's temple, the one that we're looking at tonight, the very beginning of this temple would ultimately be destroyed in 586 by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And so they're going to enjoy this temple for about 380 some years before it's finally going to be destroyed. Why? Because of their rebellion, because of their sin. And, and God is always very clear when he speaks. Uh, in fact, the Bible often repeats itself and we looked at this last week about God not only speaking to David this promise, this conditional promise, but he also told Solomon on more than one occasion, Solomon, if you follow me and you walk in my in my ways, you're, you're going to do great. And the nation is going to be wonderful. And you're going to have peace on your borders. And God in his grace allowed... Solomon's reign, that 40 years, to really be the golden age for Israel. They've never experienced a time like that, and neither will they until, I believe, the millennial reign of Christ, because uh, there's never been a time like, like what we're looking at in his reign, there's never been a time like that for Israel ever, until... Yet future to us, the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign of Christ, where things will be restored, and Jesus himself will sit on a rebuilt temple that he will build, and the, the blueprint of that is in Ezekiel, by the way. It's in Ezekiel chapter 40 through 47. You can read it yourself. It's a much bigger temple than than this temple we're looking at was Solomon's temple. It's going to be much bigger than even Herod's temple that he rebuilt for the Jews Yeah, you know, beginning in what, uh, 26 or 46 BC, and it took them quite a while to do that. It's even going to be bigger than that. It's going to dwarf even Herod's temple, Jesus' temple that he's going to build in Israel during the millennial reign of Christ. And so, when we looked at chapter 6, we looked at the basic foundation of the temple, the measurements of the. Of the outer sanctuary, the what we call the holy place, and then we looked at the measurements of the holy of holies, that, called the inner sanctuary. We looked at the portico that was out in front. We looked at some of the interior uh, furnishings of that temple, and and, and what's interesting, uh, you know what? Let's uh, before I get ahead of myself here. Chapter 6 is giving us all of this information about the temple specifically. And then right in chapter 7, we have this little pause. It's almost like the brakes are being put on. And then the Lord sees fit to give us some of the other temple or other buildings, I'm sorry, that, that Solomon built during the beginning of his reign. And we really don't pick up with... The temple itself and the furnishings of the temple until we get to verse 15 of chapter 7. So we got 14 verses in chapter 7 that are just sort of like an intermission, but the story goes on. And so let's look at the first 14 verses, let's just read them and then we'll go back and take a look at this. So notice in verse 1 of chapter 7 it says, But Solomon took 13 years to build his own house, and so he finished all his house. He also built the house of the forest of Lebanon. Its length was one cubit, excuse me, 100 cubits. Its width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits with four rows of cedar pillars and cedar beams on the pillars. And it was paneled with cedar above the beams that were on 40 pillars, 45 pillars, excuse me, 15 to a row. And there were windows with beveled frames in three rows and window was opposite window in three tiers, and all the doors and doorposts had rectangular frames. And windows, uh, a window was opposite window in three tiers. He also made the hall of pillars, its length was 50 cubits, and its width 30 cubits. And in front of them was a portico with pillars, and a canopy was in front of them. Then he made a hall for the throne. Of the hall of judgment where he might judge, and it was paneled with cedar from floor to ceiling. And then in verse 8, and the house where he dwelt had another court inside the hall of light workmanship. And Solomon also made a house like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had taken as wife. And all these were of costly stones cut to size, trimmed with saws, inside and out from the foundation to the eaves, and also on the outside to the great court. And the foundation was of costly stones, large stones, some ten cubits and some eight cubits. And above were costly stones, hewn to size, and cedar wood. And the great court was enclosed with three rows of hewn stones and a row of cedar beams. And so were the inner court of the house of the Lord and the vestibule of the temple. Now King Solomon sent and brought Hiram, or Huram From Tyre, he was the son of a widow from the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre, a bronze worker. He was filled with wisdom and understanding and skill in working with all kinds of bronze work. And so he came to to King Solomon and did all his work. He did all of his work. And so we see now, as we're going back to verse 1 here, that there are uh, things that are covered in the in the in the balance of this chapter after verse fourteen excuse me we 're going to see the bronze pillars for the temple we 're going to see the sea the 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 brazen sea and the and the oxen that would be supporting that and we 're going to see carts and lavers where the the priests would wash themselves as they would sacrifice offerings on the altar and we 're going to see other furnishings of the temple when we get to verse forty. And you might want to make a note in your Bible uh, at the beginning of this chapter to just reference 2 Chronicles chapters 3 and 4. Because those are really the parallel chapters, if you will, of this uh, of really chapters 6 and 7. And so you're going to see pretty much the same information there. And sometimes in Chronicles you'll see something a little bit different, a little bit more information sometimes. And uh, it gives some... Some clarity on some things. And so let's look at verse 1 there. Notice it says, But Solomon took 13 years to build his own house, and so he finished his house. And so between verse 1 and verse 14, we're going to see the other buildings that Solomon built. And we see here that he he built his own royal palace, We're going to see that he's going to be building the house of the forest of Lebanon. Now, this can be a little tricky because normally you would think that it was in Lebanon, right? But all of these things, these buildings that we're talking about here, were all very close together. In fact, there were colonnades and courtyards that kind of piece all of these things together. And so all of this was in Jerusalem. Okay, it wasn't in Lebanon, but he used uh, certainly the cypress and the the cedar and those woods that they found that were very plentiful and very uh, populous up in the area of Tyre and Sidon. and And remember, Hiram, the king of Tyre, was so happy to give that to Solomon. And in re, um, and in response to that, uh, Solomon would also give them. Uh, foods and, and, and different kinds of flour and olive oil, and um, we, we already looked at that. So, so he's going to have these different places, these other buildings uh, built. And so the house of the forest of Lebanon, the hall of pillars, the judgment hall or the throne, his own royal residence, of course, and then the queen's residence, who was... His first wife that we know of, and that was uh, the king of Egypt's daughter, or Pharaoh's daughter. And here we can already see something in Solomon. And again, I, I think these things are like when, when you read them, you, you just you kind of scratch your head a little bit because God told uh, Solomon, he, he told, and Solomon certainly knew this because David, I'm sure, made him aware of it. That the Israelites, every Israelite male knew that they weren't to marry outside of Israel. They weren't to marry the, the, the Gentile nations. Any, they were not to intermix like that. God wanted them to be separate. It wasn't some kind of racist thing. See, today, God would be canceled. God would be canceled. He would be kicked off Twitter and Facebook, and um, YouTube would, would forget about him, and, and, and the government would come after him. Uh, well, they did, actually, back then, and they crucified him. But anyway... Solomon began to do this thing, and, and this to me is just like a harbinger of things to come. It was just something that, it's a little hint of like, Solomon, why'd you do that? Why couldn't you just marry a nice girl from Judah? I mean, there's plenty of young, cute girls. He didn't have to go outside of Israel, but he did. And we're going to see that that's going to be a problem for him later and so God is dropping all of these little hints and as we go through Solomon's life I'm going to bring them out to you and we'll look at more of that later as we go as we go so notice in verse 2 so he also built the house of the forest of Lebanon its length was 100 cubits its width 50 cubits and it's height 30 cubits with four rows of cedar pillars and cedar beams on the pillars. Now this house of the forest of Lebanon was much longer than the temple. The temple was only 90 feet long. This thing is 150 feet long. It's even wider than the temple. It's 75 feet wide, but it's exactly the same height as the temple. But all the length and the width were completely um, bigger than the temple. And we can see that you know the dimensions of Solomon's temple... We're 90, uh, 90 feet when it's 60 cubits, that's 90, um, 90 feet. 20 cubits is 30 feet. Uh, the height was 30 cubits or 45 feet. Basically, you just take the cubit, you multiply by 18 and divide it by 12, and that gives you the amount, the, the, the feet that we're talking about. That's how we convert it into our uh, standard now. But notice in verse 3, and it was paneled, notice, with cedar above the beams that were on the 45 pillars, 15 to a row, and there were windows with beveled frames in three rows, and window was opposite window in three tiers and Again, this is not the temple; this is talking about this forest of lebanon this this building so it, as you as we read this you 're going to find some similarities. In the way the temple was built, it was a very common architecture at that time. And the Phoenicians and the Syrians, they kind of built these structures, and they were kind of there was some similarity to them. Sort of like when you when you go down a a subdivision down in Penfield, and you go down the street, and it's a new subdivision, all the houses look pretty much the same. You know, variations, but they're made by the same maker. Looks very similar. You can kind of tell that there's like probably three or four, maybe five models, and they just kind of mix and match and put the thing together. But back at that time, they had, you know, things that they kind of adhered to and they liked and they kept them. But notice all the doorways and doorposts had rectangular frames and window was opposite window in three tiers. Verse 6, he also made the hall of pillars and its length was 50 cubits and its width 30 cubits. And in front of them was a portico with pillars and a canopy was in front of them. And so again, you get the picture that there's a lot of colonnades, there's a lot of walkways Uh, in between these different buildings. And so it's kind of like a complex, if you will, all these different buildings that he's building. And where we believe these things were built was on the western side of what you and I would call the Temple Mount. On the western side of the Temple Mount today is where all of this was happening. And so... Uh, The Hall of Pillars was 75 feet long and 45 feet wide. So verse 7, Then he made a hall for the throne, or the hall of judgment, where he might judge. And it was paneled with cedar from floor to ceiling. And the house where he dwelt had another court inside the hall of like workmanship. And Solomon also made a house like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had taken a wife. Again, Solomon, what are you doing? What are you doing taking a wife of Egypt? I'll leave you with that. You can, you can just let that hang out in the back of your mind for a little while. And all these, verse 9, were of costly stones cut to size, trimmed with saws inside and out, from the foundation to the eaves and also to the outside to the great court. And the foundation was of costly stones, large stones, some 10 cubits or 15 feet and some 8 cubits, 12 feet. And above were costly stones, hewn to size, and cedar wood. And the great court was enclosed with three rows of hewn stones and a row of cedar beams. So were the inner court of the house of the Lord and the vestibule of the temple. So really, it's just a way of saying a lot of these motifs, if you will, in the construction were similar to what, how the temple was constructed. And, and, and naturally, Solomon wouldn't want to... uh, gravitate too far away from the architecture of the house of God, right? Um, Because it would look kind of weird to have, you know, building a structure and then have your house be something completely different. That's like having a a colonial house next to somebody with an octagon, you know, house, you know, those things that you see in Penfield every now and then, or an A-frame, you know, it just doesn't work, it doesn't fit. So, now notice verse 13. So, Hiram the craftsman... Now, King Solomon sent and brought Hiram, or Huram, from Tyre. This man, you'll notice in other portions of the Bible, in Chronicles and other places, um, sometimes his name is spelled H-U-R-M-A-N, sometimes it's spelled H-I-R. Now, you don't want to get this Hiram, or Huram, you don't want to confuse him with the king of Tyre. right? Because the king of Tyre, he was Hiram, king of Tyre. This man is... Not him. Totally separate individual. But he was a very skilled man. Notice what it says in verse 14. He was the son of a widow from the tribe of Naphtali. So we know that his uh, father was, uh, uh, was, a, was Jewish and his uh, mother was too. But notice, he was the son of a widow From the tribe of Naphtali. So his father must have died when he was younger. And his father, or really his stepfather, was a man of Tyre, uh, a bronze worker. And he was filled with wisdom and understanding and skill in working with all kinds of bronze work. So he came to Solomon, King Solomon, and did all of his work for him. Now, you might want to write this reference down next to this verse and because you can look at it and you can understand where we're going with this. It's 2 uh, Chronicles chapter 2 beginning in verse 13 and verse 14. Uh, so 2 Chronicles 2 verse 13 and 14. And let me read it to you because between that verse that we just read and this verse we're going to learn a little bit more about this this gentleman. It says in Second Chronicles 2, verse 13, he says, And now I have sent a skillful man endowed with understanding, Huram, my master craftsman. And here, Hiram, the king, is speaking to Solomon. Look, I'm sending you this master craftsman. He's great in bronze. His, his stepfather is great in it. He is even better. And now he, I'm sending him to you. His name is Huram, my master craftsman, the son of a woman of the daughters of Dan. Well, there's kind of a problem there because we just read in 1 Kings 7 that she was from the daughters of, a daughter of Naphtali, right? But no worries. Notice, and his father was a man of tire, skilled to do work in gold and silver, bronze and iron, stone and wood.
0: I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023 just click the school link at the top of the page for more information additionally you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link.